Hi, this is Arielle Jack, Student Ministries Director here at New Life Church. Thank you for joining our podcast today. I pray the following presentation encourages, challenges, and inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy the message. Samson, we do David, we do Samson, we do, you know, all these stories, but we very rarely go back and analyze them. And I think this is going to be a great five-week series for us to analyze the life of Samson. Samson is a very, very interesting character in our biblical narrative, okay? So today, I want to start this series out, but um, I want to give you an opportunity to just take a deep breath. Man, I am just tired. That worship set was intense. Lots of words. Whoo! A little water, maybe? <laughs> the big idea. All right, the big idea of this message is this. Potential is embryonic power. Potential is embryonic power. Now, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, potential energy is an interesting thing. It's full of energy, but it's not utilized. Okay, so inside this balloon is lots of energy. It just pushed out the sides, right? It's potential. It's waiting to be released, right? So then, I keep going. Once the energy inside breaks the level of the elasticity of the balloon, it will break. But I don't want to do that. It's going to hurt me. So I will just show you what it looks like this. This is potential energy. This is power. It shows you. Anyway, all right. Another object lesson regarding potential energy is the concept of a bow and arrow. So who wants to be a volunteer? We need somebody to catch this. So this is my son's, this is not my bow and arrow. It's a little small for me. But this is my son's, you know, target bow and arrow. So what happens is that when the bow gets pulled back, right, that's all the potential energy. And now these, these um, pulleys and everything cause you to be able to withhold that potential energy for longer periods of time. Okay? So potential energy is a great thing because it gives you the opportunity to aim. To aim. Now, this is a different scenario because that balloon had no direction. It just was going wherever the energy would take it. And I feel like sometimes in our society, we are like that balloon. We go wherever our energies want to take us. We're not directed. We're not aimed. So I would say in a, in a, in a theater of war, I would rather have the bow than a balloon. <laughs> right? I mean, honestly. So that potential energy, no, everybody's like, whoa, there's no arrow in it. Relax, everybody. <laughs> that potential can be, that can be uh, harnessed, and it can be released purposefully, and it can be aimed at a particular thing. So today, I want to talk about Samson, his potential 
and where that look, what that looks like for us. Okay, so today, actually, uh, could you give me that, that uh, bench right there, that stool? How many people are happy to see Tom? I just want to get off the stage right away. He mentioned my name, public. I said, Tom is like a unicorn. Rarely seen, but always exciting to see. All right. I love our people, huh? Our people, God is so good, and uh, we have a church that is just phenomenal. So, Gen- uh, Judges chapter 13. And I'm going to read the whole first chapter. That's why I'm sitting. Judges 13. We're going to read it because I think it's good sometimes to read large portions of Scripture in church. And then we're going to take it apart, all right? And it's an interesting passage. Here we go. Verse 1 of Judges 13. The Israelites again did what was evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines 40 years. There was a certain man from Zorah, from the family of Dan, whose name was uh, Manoah. His wife was unable to conceive and had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, It is true that you are unable to conceive and have no children, but you will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, please, be careful not to drink wine or beer or to eat anything unclean, for indeed you will conceive and give birth to a son. You must never cut his hair, because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth. And he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. When the woman went and told her husband, a man of God came to me, he looked like the, uh, like, like the awe-inspiring angel of God. Awe-inspiring angel of God, excuse me. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. And he said to me, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Therefore, do not drink wine or beer. Do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth until the day of his death. Now Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, let the man of God you sent come again to us and teach us what we should do for the boy who will be born. That is a great question. Interestingly enough, we're going to find out Well, let's go. God listened to Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman. She was sitting in the field, and her husband, Manoah, was not with her. The woman ran quickly to her husband and told him, the man who came to me the the other day has just come back. So Manoah got up and followed the wife, his wife. When he came to the man, he asked, are you the man who spoke to my, are you the man who spoke to my wife? (laughs) All right. I am, he said. Then Manoah asked, when your words come true, what will be the boy's responsibilities and work? Do you see how the question changed? Over here, it was, um, he was praying that he would be able to know what to do, how to help this boy. Now he's asking, what's going to be his job and what are his responsibilities? He's like, hmm, interesting. I, I, I think the first question was better than the second. Um, the angel of the Lord answered Manoah, and I love the answer he gives him. <laughs> Your wife needs to do everything I told her. 
She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine or drink wine or beer. And she must not eat anything unclean. Your wife must do everything I have commanded her. He gave him no more information than what he gave his wife. 15. Please stay here, Manoah told him, and we will prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord said to him, if I stay, I won't eat your food. (laughs) But if you want to prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. He didn't recognize him. He didn't understand. It's going to be key in the next section here. Then Manoah said to him, what is your name so that we can honor you when your words come true? Why do you ask me my name? The angel of the Lord asked him. See, he didn't know him. Didn't know him. Since uh, it is beyond your understanding. And I love that statement. Because names in the, in the Old Testament often uh, encompass the essence of somebody. And he goes, my essence is unfortunately beyond your comprehension. And I think that plays into the life of Samson quite a bit. Manoah took a young goat and a grain offering and offered them at a rock to the Lord, who did something miraculous while Manoah and his wife were watching. When the flame went up from the altar to the sky, the angel of the Lord went up in its flame. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell face down on the ground. The angel of the Lord did not appear again to Manoah and his wife, and Manoah realized that he was the angel of the Lord. We're certainly going to die, he said to his wife. And I love the way his wife responds to him, like, you're really not that smart, are you, Manoah? Why is my name not in here and yours is? (laughs) We're certainly going to die. And his wife said to him, uh, he said to his wife, because we've seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord is intended to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted the burnt offering and the grain offering for us, from us. And he would not have shown us all the things that are spoken, right, that are spoken to us like this. So the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. The boy grew and the Lord blessed him. Then the spirit of the Lord began to stir him in the camp of Dan between Zohar and Eshtol. Lord, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, I pray today that I would do it justice in breaking it down and bringing it home. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we have this story of a mom and dad that came. you got to remember, when you read the Scriptures, it's important for you to know that everybody came from somewhere and somebody. These are not you know, these are not stories in a vacuum. Okay, they came from somewhere. They have a history. They have a background. They have baggage that they're dealing with. Kind of sounds like us. All right. So I want you to keep your finger in Judges 13 because we're going to refer to it often. So keep your finger there. And it starts out with Israel again did what was evil in the Lord's sight. So I started asking myself some questions. What is this again thing? Right? What is this again thing? And uh, keep your finger in 13, but if you want to, you can uh, flip over to Judges 2. And this is the start of the again thing. All right? It says this in verse 8. Joshua, who was the leader after Moses uh, passed, 
So Joshua came to, and he was the one who helped the Israelites to uh, conquer the land and to come into their inheritance. So Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timnath Harris and the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gosh. Oh, Gosh. Gosh. How would you pronounce that? G-A-A-S-H. Gosh, right? Gosh. You got to hold out the A. Gosh. That, were, that whole generation also gathered to their ancestors. After them, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. Folks, I'm going to tell you one thing very clearly. That is a parenting issue. That's a parenting issue. The Israelites did what was evil in the, sight of, in the Lord's sight. They worshipped the Baals and the, uh, uh, abandoned the Lord. The, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed other gods from the surrounding peoples and bowed down to them. They angered the Lord, for they abandoned him and worshipped the bells and the Asherahs. The Lord raised up judges, hence the name of the book, okay, judges, who saved them from the power of, their, uh, of the myriad um, but they did not listen to their judges. Instead, they prostituted themselves with other gods, bowing down to them. They quickly turned from the way of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's command. And I think that's pretty gracious. Yeah. Obedient, kind of. You know, right? If you read the scriptures, you know what I'm talking about. Um, they quickly turned. They did not do as their ancestors so this is the beginning of Judges. This is the concept. They, 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 they fell away as soon as the parent, <laughs> Joshua, passed away. The kids went nuts. And we're going to talk about why that is later, because it plays into later. But as soon as the authority figure who was leading them towards God uh, died, they, went, they, just, they just turned tail and went the other, other direction. Okay? Now, Manoah was distinctly from the tribe of Dan. We read this, Dan. Now, okay, what happened with it? What's, what's going on with Dan? Let's, let's read that. Dan was one of the 12 sons of Jacob, right? Dan was given a blessing by his father, Jacob, just before he died. The blessing is recorded in Genesis 49. Now, it'll be up on the wall, so you don't have to turn there. 49, and it's kind of a eh, blessing, honestly. But here we go. It says this, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Yeah, Dan shall be a serpent in the way. Oh, talk about a roller coaster prophecy, right? A horned snake in the path that bites the horse's heels so that the riders fall backward. Backward. Oh, I don't like that. For your salvation I wait, O oh Lord. Because <laughs> Dan stinks. All right? Dan's like, oh, man, that's the prophecy I got. I want Joseph's prophecy. <laughs> that one stinks. You know, uh, here we are told that Dan's descendants would be judges at some future time. And that in Judges chapter 13, that's where we're dealing with, fulfills that prophecy. Okay? The next part of the prophecy reveals that Dan will be like a serpent in the Garden of Eden. He would not be faithful to God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When the Israelites entered the promised land, listen to this, this is some history. When the Israelites entered the promised land, 
the tribe of Dan was given the seventh opportunity to select their territory. By lots they chose, and Dan was the seventh out of 12. That's a pretty good spot, right down in the middle. Right? However, they were not able to occupy their selected territory due to the lack of faith and later moved north. They were always kind of in that sinful area. They, they didn't have the faith to cast out. And that's a huge problem. When we don't have the faith to cast out the world, the world will affect us. And that's what Israel did. And Dan was very much part of that. They did not have the faith in God, and they let the world corrupt them. In the process of moving north, the Danites, listen to this, Danites stole Micah's idols. They stole idols, and Micah's priests agreed to be their priests, the priests for the Danites. So they completely abandoned Jehovah. And they had their own priesthood, their own idols, their own God, and this is the tribe of Dan, and we wonder why God let the Philistines have their way. <laughs> Judges 13, I mean, 18, 30 says this, uh, and it gives a, a sad report. The Danites set up their carved images for themselves. Jonathan, son of Gershom, son of Moses. Oh, son of Moses, ouch. And his sons were priests of the Danite tribe until the time of the exile from the land. That's a long time. The sad report that the Danites continued to in their apostasy and idolatry until Assyria took them captive in 722 B.C. This is thousands of years. It's crazy. A thousand. I'm not sure what the timeline is, but it's a lot of years. So this is, this is, what, this is the, the climate by which the angel Lord now appears to a woman from the tribe of Dan in a, in a, in a land where they have done evil in the sight of the Lord. And they've had other judges, and the judges rise up, and they, just like Joshua, they follow that judge, and the judge helps them to get out from under the oppression of the, of the people. And then once the, they're on the top again, they do exactly what they did before, and they allow the culture that they just got out from underneath the boot of to pollute them. And then they become object, objectified by them one more time. It's a cyclical thing. And I, th I believe that the book of Judges is there because it's a pattern of human weakness. We can look at the judges and say, oh, man, what a bunch of losers. But then you walk in front of a mirror and you're like, oh, there's the loser. I do this. I have these same temptations towards Wanting what the world has to offer instead of being holy. Instead of having faith that God can, can, can give me the promise that he's always promised me, I let the culture dominate. So then there's, there's this interesting conversation. Manoah's wife was unable to conceive and had no children. This brings up some iconic imagery from some other famous women from Scripture. This seems to be like a pattern in Scripture, right? Sarah, wife of Abraham, mother of Isaac, barren until very. I wrote, I wrote that in very. I wrote it in uh, capitals, bold, and italics. <laughs> very late in life. And she was also visited by the angel of the Lord. 
Rebekah, wife of Jacob, mother of Joseph and Benjamin, barren until late in life. Hannah, mother of Samuel, the prophet, barren, yet told by Eli, the high priest, that she would have a son, who ended up becoming the great prophet, Samuel. Elizabeth, mother of John the Baptist, barren until late in life. Zechariah was visited by an angel. Mary, the mother of Jesus, had her child's birth foretold by angels. This is a common thing. It's, it's, it's almost like one of those things where it says, okay, everybody, focus up here, something big's going to happen. Focus up. This is not normal. This is a miracle. What is a miracle? It's something that happens outside the natural realm of science and nature. Something that only can happen through miraculous means. It means it only can happen if you believe that God exists and that he's outside our space-time continuum. Okay? Miraculous. Then the next few questions I have is, what's this passage? The boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth and will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. Remember I talked about how, how potential is embryonic power? He's, he's going to be released, right? The Nazarite vow allowed the a consecration of an Israelite to a special time of devotion to the Lord. So, what is the Old Testament? Numbers chapter 6 talks about this. He shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine. Shall let the locks of his hair grow long. Shall not go near a dead body. Now, why? Why? What is this whole Nazarite vow thing? The Nazarite vow is a condition by which, for a period of time, somebody is setting their life aside so that they can be completely focused on God. And if you, did, if you inadvertently did these things, you could not do tabernacle or temple worship. You could not do it. So it was like, for this time period, month, two months, six months, whatever that Nazarite vowed to God, they would take a vow that they would not do these things so that they would always, at any moment in time, be clean before God so they could enter his presence according to Jewish tradition and law. Right? That makes sense. If you're going to uh, set aside a time, how many people have ever set, set aside a time of fasting and prayer, these types of things? This is the same kind of uh, thing. It's like an object, object lesson of like holiness is necessary to be with God. Now, we have the grace of Jesus Christ, his holiness put on us, but it's still a good thing to think about, Right? This person was spending all of their time, now, I take that back. A Nazarite could work. A Nazarite could do things in their family. They weren't just sitting in the temple the whole time. But they needed to be ready at a moment's notice that they could be in the temple. And there were special times where they would consecrate themselves before God. They would commune with God. They would get close to God. These additional rules were necessary to prevent the Nazarite from becoming unclean and thereby unable to, um, to be with God. The Nazarite vow was actually a temporary thing, and it was, it was above and beyond the normal Jewish law, which was pretty extensive, their holiness laws. This was extra, okay? Now, I don't know why the pro-life movement doesn't, because they don't want to refer, a lot of times don't want to refer to the Bible because that's, they feel like it discredits them or something like that. But I think this is a great, a, a great concept from conception to death. The angel said, he will be a Nazarite 
and he's talking to his, for his whole existence, and he's talking to his mom about not defiling him in the womb. Because his life began at conception. Therefore, you, if he's going to be a Nazarite from the moment of his life to the end of his life, then you've you got to be careful that you don't do these things or you've already broken his vow because his whole life was meant to be Nazarite-focused. I think that's interesting. Just a little side note there. Now we get to the question. The first thing he's like, God, send the angel back so I can ask him how we ought to raise this child in the right way. And all this Then the angel gets here, and this is the question he asks. What will the boy's responsibility and work be? I mean, is it going to get us money? I mean, is he going to be like our sugar baby? You know? I mean, what is, what is the responsibility? I need to know. He, he doesn't even ask the question that he prayed about. This is 13. The angel of the Lord answered Manoah, your wife needs to do everything I told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine or drink wine or beer. And she must not eat anything unclean. Your wife must do everything I have commanded her. His job, his job was to be a Nazarite. That's it. That was his job, to get close to God. He was going to be, a, a, his closeness to God was going to bring about the emancipation of the people, start to bring about the emancipation of Israel. There is nothing in there about him being able to kill a thousand Philistines or how many Philistines with the jaw of a donkey. There's nothing in there about that. This is the embryonic, his potential is embryonic power. And power can be used for our good, and it can be used for destruction. We've split the atom. There was so much hope, hope, in the concept of splitting the atom. I mean, it was supposed to help us with our energy needs through forever. There was so much work and science and stuff done in that. And what do we do? We created bombs out of it. We do. That's what we do. We're human. We're Danites. We are thick. His job was to be a Nazarite. God would reveal his will as he revealed himself. God would reveal his will as he revealed himself to Samson through his vowed the better question would be, what can I do as a father to raise up this child in the way he should go? Not what's his responsibility is going to be. You know, God, we got retirement plans. This isn't going to affect that, is it? This is not going to tap into my 401k, is it? God has no grandchildren, only children. How do I raise up a child in the way they should go so that when they're old, they will not depart from it? That should have been the question. And it started, it seemed like that was what he wanted to ask. But when the time came, he fumbled. Maybe it was because he did not know that he was talking to the angel of the Lord. He 
said this in verse 15. Please stay here, Manoah told him, and we will prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord said to him, if I stay, I won't eat your food. The Yelp reviews are not good. Okay. Okay. All right. I will not eat your food. But if you want to prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. Maybe he'll eat it. I don't know. No. Uh, offer it to the Lord. And then it says in this present, Manoah did not know that he was that he was with the angel of the Lord. A theophany in Scripture are often referred to as the angel of the Lord. That's a theological word. Um, many scholars believe that the angel of the Lord, to, believe the angel of the Lord to be the person of God in a visible form. A form of the pre-incarnate Christ. So we have theophanies, like the burning bush, and then we have Christophanies, which are like the, 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 um, the angel that, the angel of the Lord that wrestled with Jacob. Okay, Christophanies would be considered pre-incarnate Christ, a human form. So this is, this is what they have, because why? Why is that? Is it, why is it, it's not, you know, take my word for it or I'll tell you why, okay? Because <laughs> he has, he's able to work in the will of God. He's able to speak for God as if it's personal. So all these things lend us to believe that this is actually the pre-incarnate Christ or God himself. Okay? The appearance of the angel of the Lord are the manifestations of God himself condescending to come to us and invite us to experience a foretaste of the world awaits, that awaits us in the, com- in the coming years through Christ through eternity. That's one of the commentaries. That's how they put it. Okay, Judges chapter 13, still, still there. Verse 17. Then Manoah said to him, what is your name? So that we may honor you when your words come to pass. Why do you ask my name? Jesus said something like this to the rich young ruler. He said, good teacher. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? Well, this is a question of do, you don't really know who I am, do you? You ever have that moment where somebody walks you up to you on the street? And they're like, hey, how are you? Dave, what's going on? Hey, you. How are you? So good to see you. And then you start talking about something that happened. You're like, oh, Yeah. Tell me more about the experience we had together that makes me feel like I should know you. <laughs> Am I the only one? Okay, Jesus. <laughs> Everybody's like, no, that's never happened to me. But Jesus did that to the rich young ruler, and, 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 and the angel Lord is really doing this. Why are you asking me my name? Don't you know who I am? If I were to tell you my, your, if I were to tell you my full name, your head would explode. That's how holy my name is. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to do that, all right? It's beyond understanding. And then he says in 22, when he finally realizes what the heck is going on, the woman's like sitting there like, you're grilling the angel of the Lord, honey. You need to stop. He said, we're certainly going to die. He said to his wife, because we have seen God. But then we know his wife was like, knew what was going on the whole time. Guys, isn't that really the story of manhood? 
of husbandry, the wife knows what's going on the whole time. And we just come lately to the game. Let me just say this to you about that section. You can't effectively represent someone that you don't truly know. You can't, you can't represent something or someone that you don't truly know. And now we're going to talk a little bit about parenting, but also representing God. Okay? How many people know, um, let's, I, didn't, I should have put in my notes a, a, a clever name. How many people know uh, Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt. Is he even popular anymore? I don't know. He was when I was a kid. He's like, every guy's like, I hate him. Every girl loves him, right? We know Brad Pitt, right? When's the last time you talked to him on the phone? You just said you knew him. Now, I can't, I know Brad Pitt. If you put a, if you showed me a picture of Brad Pitt, I'd be like, hey, you. No, I mean, if, if, if you showed me a picture of Brad Pitt, I could, I could identify him in a lineup. And I know some things about it. He was married to Angelina Jolie. They had kids. They adopted kids. I know some things about him. But I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. I don't know if he's a good father. I don't know if he has a temper. I don't know if he's broke or wealthy. I'm just, I just know what he wants me to know about him. And all sometimes what the paparazzi leak out. And I don't really care that much, honestly. <laughs> but I'm trying to give you, but you asked me about Lisa Sangster. She didn't know I was going to talk about it. I know everything about Lisa Sangster. Okay, I know her. Okay, I know that she cares far more than she than anybody you know. I know that she is a phenomenal mother. I know that she would rather get COVID than to than to separate her roles of taking care of me when I was sick. I know her. And I can tell my kids just how awesome she is. Well, they know her too. But that's the point. You can't represent somebody that you don't really know. And I think that's where we are with Manoah. I think this it is a culture in which the angel of the Lord came into was the tribe of Dan in a time where people were just not really into God. And Manoah's like, I think I just saw the, I think I just saw God and I'm probably gonna die. So parents, you can't effectively represent Christ to your children if you don't know him yourself. Guys, if I were you, I would be getting into every single Bible study that we offer. I would, be, I would be just wanting to know what, who God is, what he's like, what he expects from me, so that I can pass that information on effectively. I want to know him. 
We have a summer uh, life group coming up. You should be there. You should be there. I'm just saying, you should be there. Soaking up everything about God. You can't convey a personal faith if you don't know Christ personally. I think this is epidemic in church culture. I do. We see a a shocking number of young people leaving the church once they're out from under mom and dad's rule. Shocking number. They go to college and they, they leave the faith. Why? Why do they leave the faith? Is Christianity not relevant to the current culture? Do the colleges and universities present something that is more satisfying than Christianity? No. In fact, statistics have proven that the more secular our culture becomes, the more unhappy, discontent, and depressed our society is. That's not just me, my experience. That is statistically. It's not that Christ is somehow not enough for today. It's that we, don't, we, uh, that we today don't get enough of him. Read that again because I stumbled it, and it's really good. It's not that Christ is somehow not enough for today. It's that we today don't get enough of him. Our kids know about him, but they haven't been given a true representation of what it looks like to know That's to parents, but it, man, it is for all of us. If we are ever going to be an effective witness to a world that is in dire need of more Jesus, then they got to see the real McCoy. They got to see the real deal. Somebody who can show them what it looks like to live for Christ, to be a Christian, because they are a Christian, and they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not that, oh, I know that person goes to church, but you should, you should hear his mouth. Is, it change, is, is church changing you? Probably not. Christ does that. One of the greatest things that we can do is know God so that we can relate God. One of the greatest quotes I've ever heard said is this. And this is for parents. Be careful with this. Rules without relationship breeds rebellion. Rules without relationship breeds rebellion. Now, I had a phenomenal upbringing. I, I, I believe that you couldn't ask for a greater one. Thanks, Mom. My parents showed Christ. They didn't just teach Christ. And they had lots of rules. You know who else has lots of rules? He does. He does. But the relationship was so strong that for the most part, for the most part, for the most part, I understood the underlying reason for the rule. Because it wasn't because 
they, they, they didn't love me or they, didn't, they wanted to keep me from having fun. It was because they did love me and they wanted me to have a good life. Rules without relationship breeds rebellion. And I saw that in my school. I went to a Christian school. So many of my peers, their parents, I'm not saying their parents didn't love them. Maybe a couple. But uh, the idea was that they were so legalistic, so rule-oriented, that by the time my Christian peer group got out of high school, Christian school, they had been so over-churched that they just like, when they got to college, like, woo! The, like, like, like the court came off. You know? And many of them got involved in things that hurt them. Instead of saying, no, nah, I'm not going to, I choose not to do that because I, first off, I have, you know, for me, as a young person, I had respect for my mom and John R. Sangster. And a little bit of that respect was based in fear. <laughs> yeah, sometimes fear is good. Sometimes pain is good. <laughs> oh, I could tell a story. I'm not going to do it. Uh, someday. But, you know, first off, as a student, it was like, I'm not going to do this because I know, first off, uh, here's the here's real, it wasn't so much the pain or, or, the, or the fear. It was like, if I do this, I'm going to disappoint my dad and my mom. Why is that true? Because I had a relationship with them. I actually cared what they thought. And then it went to, and I, wanna, I, I don't want to hurt God. <laughs> that, that's how things happen when you're a kid. And that's appropriate. But here's the thing. Many of my, my not all of them, please understand, we had a great school with all that stuff. But um, some of my friends that went off the deep end after high school, they never were able to. And I, I appreciate some of the things that were said in the youth convention yesterday, um, Chris was that, like, it's got to be, it can't be, like, God has no grandchildren. you got to have your own faith. you got to have your own relationship with God. I can't get into heaven based on my parents' faith. Neither can you guys. Picking on you, you're only teenagers. Aren't you? It's got to be translated. It's got it's to it's translate. And how does that happen? I saw my parents do the work of knowing God in their everyday life, and it was real to them, and it was real to me. We cannot convey to other people somebody we don't know. Church, listen to me here, folks. Listen, listen. <laughs> we need to discover once again what it looks like to fall in love with Jesus. It can't just be about the rules, because rules without the relationship breeds rebellion. we got to learn what it looks like, again, to fall in love with our Lord and Savior. What does that look like? Maybe you've never had that. You've been going to church a long time. I'm sorry for you. That's a lot of rules with no relationship. No wonder you're feeling that tension, that rebellious streak. We need more than a list of rules. It must be a relationship. It must be more than what we have to do in this life or more about, and more about what we get to walk through in this life and who we get to walk through this life with. We do the right things and say 
uh, stay away from the wrong things because we love Christ and know that he loves us. That is what our young people will use. That is when, excuse me, that is when our young people will use their God-given potential for good and not destruction. You don't realize. Pick it on them. Everybody look at them. They're going to really be awkward. Ready? Ready? <laughs> I am never going to that church again. No, stand up. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm standing. Uh, what, I have to, uh, what, I, what I believe about our young people is they don't realize how much power they have inside of them. And when they don't realize it, that God has put something so amazing inside of them, they don't direct it. It's like that balloon. They have all this potential, all this power inside of them, but it's not pointed because they don't realize that if, because they don't realize that that potential can be destructive or be productive. I want, our, I want us as a church to raise up our kids. You, let me tell you this. My kids are watching you. Kendall's like, you got it, don't you? My kids are watching you. That whole room over there. Those kids are watching, not just mom and dad, but they're watching to see if the church is authentic and real. Do I want to be part of this thing after I'm on my own? Or is it just a bunch of phonies being fake, lazing their hands in worship? Oh, God is so good. And then they, they, they're not living it. They're watching you. They're watching us. What are they looking at? Now, I believe that the reason Samson went off the rails, and we know this. If you don't know the story, buckle your seatbelts. You've got four more weeks of it. But I'll let you in on a little secret. He doesn't do very well. And I have a reason, I have a feeling Samson went off the rails because he never really maximized his potential because he was never really shown an authentic version of what it looks like to be, to be God's chosen. He had all this potential, and he wasted it. He was like the balloon. Here, there, making a mess everywhere he went. And we'll get more into that. But what I want you to, what I want you to see today is this. We live in a culture of idolatry. We just do. Sex is an idol. It just is. In our country, it's so much an idol. And in fact, most idolatry has an element of, prof of profane sex in it, interestingly enough. Just does, because they're kind of the same. We live in a culture of idolatry. Are we, do we have enough faith? Do we have enough faith to take the promise from the culture, like the Dan, Danites never did. They never possessed their promise because they were too intimidated by the, by the uh, paganistic cultures around them. How about the church? The Bible says, at the very beginning of Joshua, they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And he's not talking to the pagans who lived around them. He's talking to his chosen people. Can we please, 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 please get back on track? Can we get rid of the pagan and embrace God? Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be 
what you've called us to be. And God, I pray right now, Lord, for my brothers and sisters, especially those who are parents right now. Lord, I pray that you would help them to not only uh, bring their kids to church and tell them what they ought to do, but Lord, that they would exemplify what it looks like to have a personal relationship with Jesus, with you. Lord, more is caught than ever will be taught. So God, help us as a church to be a shining city on a hill that shows the culture around us that we are not compromising, that we are boldly, by faith in Jesus Christ, going to go in and possess the promise that he's given us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask that you'd help my brothers and sisters forgive me for going so long today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Have a great week.